Welcome back to It Doesn't Look Good. I'm your host, Tim, and thanks for joining us today. Season two is well underway, and in this episode, I got to sit down with Mason and Missy Lewis. They're some of my closest friends and two of the nicest people I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Today, they're gonna tell us about their struggle with infertility, anxiety surrounding adoption, and the ability that God has to settle our hearts in tough seasons. All we have to do is trust that he has a plan. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Mason and Missy. Me and Missy got married in November 2013, and um, we wanted a couple of years of marriage to enjoy marriage and just get to know each other and just take our time with starting a family. So we spent a couple of years just enjoying some vacations and doing some things together that we felt like we might not be able to do once we had kids. And in 2015, we went on a trip to Hawaii and we decided on that trip that we wanted to start trying for children. And at that time, we had a lot of friends in our friend group that that didn't have kids or... I remember that. Yeah. Because we were also in that friend group that didn't have kids so I can you know 2015 I think 2016 is kind of when we started trying to you know start a family and stuff so yeah I remember that well yeah uh so I mean we had a lot of friends that literally had no kids or weren't even pregnant at that point and so it was pretty cool to start that journey with everybody we were excited we were ready to see what the Lord was going to do, not just in our lives, but in the lives of our friends. And like Tim just said, him and Caitlin, they were a huge part of our journey. And I remember so many times where Caitlin just took the time to sit down with Missy and, and go to coffee and talk about, you know, what their prayers were for that month. And so as we got started, we were excited and then we started to see like a year at a time, friends would get pregnant, have a child. Yeah. The next year, another friend would get pregnant, have a child, and, you know, several years later, we started beginning to wonder, okay, Lord, well, we're still praying, we're still waiting, we're still here, but our prayers had not been answered for a child, and we saw friends have two or three kids in a four or five year span while we were waiting. Right, yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that as well, just, you know, our story was similar to that in the waiting Obviously, our our story ended differently, but I do remember that time and just kind of how all of our friends started to get pregnant kind of around the same time, it seemed like. And then for us, it was uh, a little bit of a different story. Yeah, I have to say one of the coolest parts of our story was sometime early in the process of our infertility journey, the Lord uh, spoke to me and told me that we would have a daughter named Faith. Uh, And it was one of the most real moments I've had with the Holy Spirit where I knew without a doubt that we would have a daughter. And at that time, I wasn't sure, you know, how that was going to play out, when that was going to play out, how long that would take. But I was confident that the Lord told me, you're going to have a daughter and and, um, you're supposed to name her Faith. And this was around the same time that all of our friends were having kids and getting pregnant. Yeah. So he's he's talking to you even in that in the midst of that heartache of you know we're trying and nothing's happening. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. So after I would say after a year or two of trying, we started going to some doctors and seeing some specialists. And um, Missy <laughs> uh, Missy's shaking her head. Yeah. Apparently timelines off. <laughs> I, I don't remember all that the same that Missy does. I guess so. Well, uh, let's let her chime in then. Yeah. What's a real story, Missy? Uh, because of my age, we started working with doctors pretty quickly. So I think about three months in, we started working with doctors to, to find out what was going on. Right. And that's when we spent probably the next, at least two years with them running every test under the sun and doing all sorts of procedures to try to um, increase our chances of pregnancy and just not ever getting answers in that time. I think every test came back as if there was nothing wrong. Then we were put into a category called unexplained infertility. Um, What does that mean? So it means that there was no actual medical reason why we weren't able to get pregnant. So a lot of people when they go in for those tests, something will come back 
that gives them an answer as to why it's it's difficult or been hard to get pregnant but for us everything always came back as everything's okay everything's good um, which was good because you don't want to hear something wrong, but very right. hard. <laughs> yeah, because then you don't answers. have any answers, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So for me, that was almost the hardest part was if I had had a medical reason, it would have made more sense. But not having any reason definitely made the spiritual side of it harder because it made me often, I, I think, question things or try to get understanding from the Lord yeah. as to why. Explain that to me. Like, what is that like, you know, having that? Because I, I know you guys both very well. Obviously, the audience doesn't. But I I know that you both are very faithful people. And so to have that kind of moment of going, hey, God, like, where are you at? What was that like for you? Probably different for me than Mason, simply because I felt like I had... I had gone through a season of that in singleness already, so I I didn't follow the typical timeline. I didn't get married young or in my 20s even. I was in my 30s and felt like singleness, I had already asked those questions. I had already gone through a season of watching everybody in my world get married and have kids and not understanding why the Lord wasn't answering that prayer for me. So having already had a season like that, going into another one, almost amplified that for me making it harder for me to I think fully (laughs) trust at times yeah or see what the Lord was doing and for our stories were very different I felt like to grow my faith rather than speak a lot of things the Lord was often it felt like silent where Mason would get a word but I would ask for different things prayers to ask for the Lord to speak something and often just never heard. Was that frustrating as far as, you know, he's getting a word from the Lord pretty frequently, it seems like. (laughs) Absolutely. And then then you're not like, you're just, it's silence. Yeah. Which I had asked, asked the Lord that a lot of times too. It often felt like, though I know now that wasn't the reality, it felt in some moments like a little of why are you speaking and taking, tending to these things in my husband, yet I'm begging for them, and, yeah. and it feels like I, I can't hear anything. Yeah. So what about you as far as when you're, Mason, when you were getting these, you know, revelations are just like the Lord is speaking to you and giving you specific promises. How is that for you? having to watch Missy on the other side of that, not hearing that from him, like not necessarily getting the answers that she's so desperately seeking in that moment. Yeah, I think it was a double-sided coin for me where in one moment I'm I'm really excited feeling like the Lord's moving in something, but in another, talking to Missy and seeing like just almost at times hopelessness of, oh yeah, you know, just like, I'm begging the Lord, please answer and like give me some kind of sign or some kind of word. And, and just seeing the Lord not do that for her was really hard, especially as you get so many outside commentators in your life and in your world saying, oh, well, have y'all tried this or have you done this or what about this? And, you know, we always biblically believe that marriage is between me and Missy and we try to keep the noise out and, and keep to our marriage but yeah. it's been it, it was really hard in the waiting to just see and feel the Lord speaking to me and, and seeing her having to go through this other long season of waiting yeah so Missy just real quick and I keep pulling you both back and forth on the microphone so sorry about that but now that you have the you kind of have the hindsight and they say hindsight's 2020 so now with the benefit of that hindsight when you look back and you see that the Lord wasn't necessarily answering those prayers at the time what do you think he was really doing like being able to look back what was going on there I'd say one of the biggest things I walked out of was with the word surrender, that it became a ginormous wrestling in my world of the test of my faith for me to say, can I really trust God with everything? And 
like literally surrender the plans I had for my life, the dreams that I had, the longings I had, the expectations of what I thought what my life would look like or how things would be. Am I willing to believe that in God's goodness, I, I can lay those down? And there were times that I honestly can say I did not want to do that. I did not. And, and Mason can attest to this. There was even just spiritual, physical wrestling at times for me to let go of of my control for my own world yeah. and be able to trust what did not feel good that God was still good there yeah. because it did not none of that journey felt good it felt lonely and <laughs> like you said hopeless at times and yeah. just really really hard and so I think hindsight I, I wish I wouldn't have wrestled that surrender so I like Right. I wish I would have been able to to more freely, open-handedly go. I know you're good. I trust in who you are, and so I'm 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 going to trust you with all of these things in my world, rather than me hold so tightly to them because I was so afraid if I let go, then I will I'll lose all of these things. I'll lose all these things that feel like they are so deep inside of me that just. I couldn't for a long time, but I added in like needless pain, I think, onto myself that what was already painful, I made it harder because I wasn't able to, I think, yeah, fully surrender. So it wasn't that he was just not speaking to you. He was really just giving you a lesson in surrender. Yeah. Not it's It's not that he wasn't speaking to you. It's that he was trying to teach you exactly what you needed at that time well and I I don't think I would have had about a gosh almost a year ago a little over a year now I don't think I would have gotten to the moment where I did hear the Lord speak and where probably one of the hardest parts of the journey where my longings for us to be able to conceive a child of our own and adoption kind of collided and I just had a honest breakdown <laughs> like I was yeah. very hurt very fearful very broken had all sorts of grief that I did not know was there and in that wrestling I panic attacks were happening for me an enormous amount of both I'd say anxiety and pain and grief sure and in that time span pleading 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 with the Lord to speak and just was getting zero direction zero word but when I got to the breaking point I think for me where I just felt like I'm I literally like the weight of it was about to collapse on me I will never forget <laughs> makes me teary <laughs> the moment of laying on my couch over there and so clearly closing my eyes and seeing Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and feeling like he so was so present and so near to say, I, I know what it's like to hurt. And I know what it's like to wrestle with the pain of not wanting <laughs> to walk towards something that's going to be really hard. Um, and so I just felt like I got this comfort, this I understand, I like care for you in your pain. And then I, I heard Jesus whisper two things, and it was that, I want you to pray what I prayed in that prayer, um, which was, um, take this cup from me. Like, I felt like Jesus said, it's okay that you're hurting. It's okay that this is hard. It's okay that it's painful. It's okay that you don't want to walk the road of suffering. I understand that. But where he, he said so clearly was, but that's not the only part. I prayed. I prayed, yet not my will, but your will be done. And I, I knew in that moment, as hard as the wrestling was, that that was what Jesus was calling me to. That that's what the life of following Jesus really is. It's being able to say, not my will, but your will be done. And I will never forget that moment. Or hearing so clearly and feeling so loved by Jesus and also yeah. so called by him to move forward that I don't think I would have had had I not gone through so many years of pain and suffering and I think Jesus just left a lot of that there to speak in that moment something that forever changed 
forever yeah. changed my life. That's so incredible. Thanks for sharing that. So just to, to kind of get some clarification for that, that part of your story, you know, let's go back. We're, we're three months in and nothing's happening. They classify it as, what did you say it was? It was unexplained. Unexplained. So kind of take, take us from there and what, what happened next? For a long time, I still <laughs> was longing to have a child. And so we, we tried on our own for a long time. And because of my age, I felt like it's now or never. Like I had this weight I put on myself almost like, if this isn't going to happen now, I will never be able to, to have this thing I longed for. But I'd say, goodness, I don't know when the time flame line was for Mason, um, but probably I'd say a few years in, the Lord very clearly gave him a word towards adoption. And Is that I, right? A few years in? Yeah. So She corrected you on the timeline earlier. Well, so. actually, so I, I can get this timeline right because I actually looked up and it was – when we went to the youth conference when I was serving uh, with you and Caitlin and you. Oh, yeah. And that girl uh, stood up that was adopted, and, and I felt the Lord just, as she spoke, the Lord just very clearly like called us to adoption. Oh, wow. And again, in our story, even though the Lord had called us to naming, that said we were going to have a daughter named Faith, it I, like I didn't know where that collided in our story. I didn't know if our daughter named Faith was going to be a biological daughter or if our daughter named Faith would be an adopted daughter. I, I had no idea at that point. But I remember coming home and telling Missy, like, hey, I don't know how this is going to happen or when, but I know the Lord's calling us to adoption. Yeah. And I very clearly heard him speak in that. And regardless of if or when we have kids, no matter what, I think we are supposed to adopt after hearing yeah. that word. And so it was so like clear in my heart that's what we were supposed to do. I had no idea that the uh, tough part of the journey that was ahead with that decision to, to follow the Lord in that. Sure. Um, but, man, so so thankful that, that um, we listened to him in that. Yeah. Well, and he felt that, but at that time I did not feel that. So in all honesty, at that time, I was like, that's great. Yeah. Wonderful. This is when he comes home and tells and you, hey, I'm we're going to adopt eventually. Maybe not our first kid, but we are going to adopt. We're going to have a daughter. Her name's going to be Faith. <laughs> I don't know if she's going to be adopted, but it's going to happen. The Lord's speaking this to me, and the whole time you're sitting there going, that's not what I want. Nah. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. No. So I'd say it took a long time for me. I mean, like, the continued journey of infertility, it just, like, we were never getting pregnant. And after a time, I just kept saying to Mason, if the Lord's going to call you, he's going to have to call me because this is both of us. Yeah. So I was praying a lot in that time. Lord, if adoption is what you have for us, then I just ask, would Change you? Change my heart. Yes. Would you do something in me? Would you speak something? Whatever it may be. And I got nothing for a long time. And eventually I did feel like the Lord... Um, and through a, a, an event, um, speak kind of, I want you to do this. And so at that point, I was able to say yes. And I meant my yes, but I didn't realize until later that it was um, a yes with my maybe my mind. Like, I'm going to go forward with the actions, but my heart never changed. Yeah, sure. It's like a logical, like, this like is the this logical is next step. what God said, sure. but my heart still was not in it. My heart yeah. was still, I want us to get pregnant and have a child. And so um, we did start moving forward at that point towards adoption. And um, I just felt like, honestly... Um, for a long time, I was going through the motions. And you said this was around actions. two years in. I'd say, I, okay. I'd say, well, I'd say what three years in? Yeah, about that was after about three years is when we okay. really started. Yeah. Sorry, to move. I didn't want to interrupt. No, you. I just wanted yeah. to clarify that. And three sure. years is when we halfway through our journey is when we started to move forward with adoption. So I was doing the stuff, but my heart honestly didn't change yeah. <laughs> in that. For a long, long time, um, I just, I feel like it was obedient actions, but not necessarily an obedience in my, in my heart yet. 
I would say even early on in the journey when we were going through all of the tests and everything, uh, as, as a husband, it was really hard for me to see Missy going through. Like some of these procedures were very painful for her, not just physically, but emotionally. The, the rise and fall of your hopes every single month when it doesn't happen the way that you hope and pray for, that was really hard. We had a family member that actually spoke that told us that the Lord spoke to him that we were going to get pregnant that month and when it didn't happen that was pretty devastating as well and so just seeing all of these different things play out was was um I would say pretty excruciating for me as Missy's husband right knowing that like I I realize my wife has a different desire for a biological child than I do. I mean, right, not yeah. that not that I don't have that desire, but I just think carrying a child is different for a mother than it would even be for me. And just to be clear, you guys did everything short of in vitro, right? Yes, yes, we did. And what's crazy is we went, we actually went to the clinic to talk about in vitro, and the doctor that we met with had zero bedside manner and we left the first time going that's not the route for us like that's just not going to happen and then after another year of trying we felt like okay well maybe maybe we can try this again and whenever we went back we were so sure that we were going to move forward with in vitro when we went into that appointment but it was just both of us when we went into that appointment and we walked out of it both of us clearly felt that the Lord was saying like this is not the path that I have for you guys and so after that we had family members say hey y'all should you know look into this in different states or you know pursue other options as far as in In, vitro vitro, yeah. yeah as far as in vitro goes but we just very clearly from that point on we felt like the Lord was was moving us in a different direction and just saying hey, uh, you can trust me with your entire life, regardless of what a doctor tells you or, or doesn't. I think that's the point we realized that he had bigger plans than what we could have imagined. You know, kind of moving forward in the story a little bit, you've both made the decision now to adoption as the next step. Mason, for you, it was an easy decision to make, it seems like. And Missy, for you, it was more of a head decision. Your heart's not in it yet. You're like, this is next step but you know i'm just doing it because i'm the lord has said this is what's going to happen but i'm reluctant the next leg of that journey was it was still a road like you guys had a road yeah so uh april 2019 we made the decision to to go ahead and move because we wanted to move into a house where we felt like we would raise the family that I, i felt the lord was calling us to we didn't know what that was biologically or adoptive whatever so when we moved we we um we got settled in here and after about a year uh, actually several months of paperwork we finally got approved and i believe it was february 2020 and two weeks after we got approved covid hit and they laid off over half of our adoption agency literally right after we got approved to be open for adoption and that's not just you know, putting things on hold, but that's also a like a large chunk of money that you guys had just committed to this uh, adoption agency that is now, you said, over half the staff was laid off, and you just, it's kind of makes your future unknown then, right? Yes, yeah, we had already invested a little over 10 grand uh, in this agency, and they assured us that even though they had laid off over half their staff, that there would still be adoptions and that they would still support adoptive families. So we, after prayer, we decided to stick it out with our agency. And after, I would say, what, three months with the agency, we actually, we got an opportunity that it when it came in, my personality is just like every baby I'm ready to bring home. And <laughs> Missy's like, it has to be the one that the Lord's specifically saying, hey, this is the yeah, right child. I'm not even sure if I want to do this yet, right, Missy? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, we got an opportunity, and she talked to me, and I'm a pretty strong-willed person. And so when she talked to me, I was like, I, I think we should say yes. And she was not at that place, but she said yes, you know, for me. And 
thinking there's no way we're going to get chosen <laughs> and we got a call the next day saying hey uh, the birth mothers wants to meet with you and and one other person and whenever that happened i think some some grief from infertility arose in missy that she didn't even know was there like after we had gone through all of the questions and everything it it kind of blindsided her and so to the point that when we talked to our adoption specialist that we had not even met with or talked to before at all she was the one that we started working with after they laid off our specialist from the agency missy even asked her like should we move forward with this because i'm feeling so much anxiety and it was kind of the like well you're a christian aren't you like you kind of the raw raw like you need to just you know pull your bootstraps up and move forward which i feel like works with my personality yeah but it definitely does not work with missy's personality like that's not that's not really what she needed or what was really healthy for her in that moment yeah so real quick swap babies around here and then missy tell me about your emotions and kind of like your attitude as they're coming at you these things that they're saying to you guys that mason just described yeah i definitely like he said did not know the enormous amount of grief and longing that I still had to conceive a child. And so I I didn't expect the rush of that kind of to come on me so heavily. And then I really was asking for help and reaching out for help. And I felt like people who didn't know me, (laughs) who didn't really know my story, had never met me, were kind of forcing and pushing me towards something that like I was struggling so hard to move forward with but I kept praying I kept like asking the Lord for help asking the Lord for wisdom and direction so we moved forward and in that moment genuinely I was I I was trying but I think where Mason and I just differed is like he said he felt like any child yes and if it's the Lord that child will come home Whereas I was like wanting to hear from the Lord, like give me some sort of direction that this is you, some sort of direction that this is the child that you have for us, that we've prayed for, that you've led us to. And when I wasn't receiving that at all, and instead was having enormous things, most more anxiety that I've ever had in my life and panic attacks, I was like, how could this be the Lord? How could could this like, and I was fearful of continuing forward because I didn't want to do anything to hurt anybody else in the process either and so when they were forcing me I was also like I don't want to hurt anybody and I don't want to like I I add any more burden onto another already hard situation if I can't move forward towards this yeah but it was hard because I felt pressure from about every person under the sun everyone was saying just move forward just push all all of friends family I felt like most people were saying just push forward, but I felt like none of them actually knew the heaviness that I was under of like feeling like the weight of the world was being pulled behind me trying to make myself yeah. Do you forward. think maybe, and this is just me asking a question, so just say, you know, you can kind of explain one way or the other, but do you feel like maybe that was due to your having like the lack of your surrender at that point because i know you you mentioned that earlier yeah so i think there was this yes i had not fully surrendered infertility i still was like in that moment i had the grief of this does not feel like what i thought motherhood would feel like it feels like the opposite of that in every way shape and form which i think made it harder to definitely feel like in that moment I could could surrender and there was a definite moment in that that I if I finally got to the place where I was at least able to like gut level honesty with Jesus and go I don't want to do this (laughs) like I don't want to do this like it feels too hard it feels I I've always man pride not prided maybe always like felt like I genuinely take decisions in my life very seriously and I I take I want to take those before the Lord and pray and hear from him to move forward and in that moment when I wasn't hearing anything in answer to those prayers and getting any any direction 
it made that harder to, <laughs> I think. And I also realized very quickly probably how much I never realized how much I like control. Yeah. <laughs> and I was faced with a moment where I felt like I had zero control. Yeah. I don't, I can't control any, like all of those fears with adoption came up. I didn't get to control protecting this child for this time. I don't get to control whether I was chosen or not. I don't get to control if this is the child we get. I it felt like that wrestling of surrender also like got me to the place where I realized how much I wanted some control. And when I was faced with a situation where I had none, I didn't know what to do with that. Like yeah. I, I felt paralyzed by the heaviness, I think, of going, I have to have control. I have to yeah. have some control in this. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna say yes and move forward in this, I need some control in it. And the Lord kept pointing back to no. <laughs> like yeah. I'm the one in control. So let me ask you this then, because I I have to believe with as prominent as infertility is in our world right now, which it just seems like, and it could just be our church, I don't know, but it just seems like I know so many people personally that struggle with infertility. And so I can't, I can't believe that you're the only future adoptive mother that has had that same thought process of, Lord, I'm not, this is not what I expected motherhood to be first. And then second, I can't control any of this. So how would you advise them and say that this is, what is the way that you got past that need for control and then ultimate surrender to go, all right, Lord, even if this isn't what I expected motherhood to look like, this is how you've called me to mother, uh, I guess I should say, and I'm going to trust you through that. Mm -hmm. How did you get there? How did you get from point A to point B? got counseling <laughs> and I can proudly <laughs> say that so yeah like I I realized at that moment if I do not do something to work through both of these pieces the grief of infertility and all of my fear with adoption I'm never going to be able to move forward and so I think I had put that off thought I was okay and that moment made me go okay no it's time it's time to address this. And yeah. so through counseling, I think the three best things that came out of it was one, I did get to finally process infertility and find a way to gain some peace of that. Found a way to validate that I all of the things that I had felt longing for a child and the pain of that but be okay finally being able to say I can accept if this never if this never happens, that's okay. And I yeah. have not been able to do that for many, many, many years. The second thing I think I got out of it was adoption wasn't, didn't fix infertility. Like it wasn't like you, it, these two things, this will like erase your pain here. It was a totally different calling, <laughs> like totally different path. And I had to go do, am I really going to listen to the Lord? And am I really going to like follow him? And do I really want to follow him? And if this is what he wants, can I say yes? And so I got to process through the other side of it, the adoption side of it, and try to process a lot of my fears that I had that were like, I don't get any control. <laughs> Here's all, I had every fear under the sun, you name it. it I had it at some point. Some of them felt crazy and ridiculous and adoptions like such a beautiful thing but even a lot of the journey is they try to prepare you for the worst so that you won't be surprised in it but for someone with anxiety that's really heavy because yeah. all you hear are the worst scenario situations that they want you to be prepared for which made me fear all the worst <laughs> happening in the journey but I was able to come to a place where I felt like I, I can manage that with the Lord a little bit better. Like yeah. I can, and, and that did not take the anxiety continued. It was just a learning of how do I lean into Jesus when those fears come and how do I validate that they feel real because they've happened yeah. and then try to like lay those down at the feet of Jesus and let yeah. him carry. So what would you say your answer was to those questions? That was it. How do you do, how do you, how did you lean into Jesus? Yeah. Is, I guess is oh, what I'm asking. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of prayer. Yeah. 
Um, and it was, I think I stopped maybe hiding fears. Okay. And I didn't ask, I didn't bring them to people because people just would say in well-meaning ways, you shouldn't be afraid of that or don't worry about that or just don't think. That didn't help. I think it helped me more to validate this is a real fear for me. And there's a real reason why it's a fear. And that's okay. And so I finally gave myself space to go, it's okay that this is a fear. Express it to Jesus. Let it out. (laughs) And then I would not stay there. I would go into, and what I cannot touch, what I cannot control, what I cannot do anything about, Lord, I'm literally in my, like, head and in my prayers, I would say, I entrust to your hands to do what I can't do. So... For example, I was very fearful of, I don't get to protect a child for nine months. I don't know what they'll go through. I don't know what kind of harm they'll have. And that scared the life out of me. And I just started going, instead of being afraid of that, I'm going to start praying, God, for my future child, what I can't control, what I can't protect them from, will you protect them? Will you protect them physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually in that womb when I can't do that? And when I started bringing those specific things that I was afraid of and praying that surrender and asking the Lord to do what I couldn't, I felt better. I felt like I could continue to go forward a little bit better. That's great. Mason, tell me about, you know, your side of that whole experience for Missy, where she's going through these anxieties and fears and just all this struggle with surrender what was it like being on the other side of that and looking in and seeing her go through all of that and what were you doing I guess as her husband you know I know earlier you said it was so hard to see her um, going to the doctors every month and then every month it was just disappointment after disappointment so now we're past all of that and we're in a completely new part of this story where she's struggling with this on a day-to-day basis and you're seeing that what was that like for you uh it was a myriad of of emotions for me in one moment it was frustration of like you know why why is it this hard to just say yes like I, i couldn't understand but at the same time, like seeing the pain that she was in and, you know, we're very different. She's, we're very left brain, right brain, different in marriage. And so just seeing what she was going through and not being able to even fathom what she was feeling was, was kind of helpless for me. And I don't really, I'm not used to dealing with being helpless very much. And so it was really hard for me. And so she said, I think I need to get counseling. And I encouraged it because I was like, I don't even know if I can help you. Like, I, like I, I'm praying, but I think in the midst of all of that, um, I'm, I'm not sure if she shared, but when we were selected to meet with the birth mother, we went and met with her. And in that meeting, she said, I want you guys to be the parents. But after we talked to our agency, they, they felt like Missy was having so much anxiety that they pulled us from consideration for that child. And immediately following that was Mother's Day and then Father's Day. And so yeah. that was 2020. And I think Mother's Day and Father's Day in 2020 were both very difficult for me and Missy. Also in the midst of the craziest pandemic year yeah. of all yeah. of our lives. Yeah, I mean, we're both... And, and in the midst of all of that as well, we got news about my job, that the plant was being shut down, and that my job at that point seemed to be going away. And so we're dealing with, like, the stress of that with the stress of adoption yeah. uh, and still the desire for having a biological child with infertility. So it, it was a lot of emotions going on in that time. And I remember when Missy started getting counseling after that wrestling that she had, the first couple times she would go and talk to the counselor, she would come and tell me about it, and I would be like, that doesn't sound good at all. Well, you know, like I, I've never been to counseling and had never. What do you mean? What, just give me an example of. I of, mean, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Missy's got. Oh, example. I know the example. Um, one of the things she tried to help me be able to embrace was I put a lot of guilt on myself for the weight, like the weight 
Mason longs for a child so much. Yeah. And this is my fault that we still don't have a child. And this is my because of my fear, my anxiety, my grief. I'm the one who's made this wait exceptionally hard and keeps it lingering. And one of the things that she spoke into me was God's sovereignty in the wait. And that maybe there's a reason we're still in the wait. And it's not because of me, but because maybe God's still working in that. And it freed me, but I think the wrestling for someone in pain in the waiting was he didn't want to hear that God still had us in the wait. He wanted us to be out of the wait, and right, I got that. For, <laughs> for every logical reason, like, mm. they had selected you guys. So yeah. for I can see that for from his perspective. It, it was very black and white, whereas, mm-hmm. it, you know, in reality, it, was, it wasn't so black and white. Right. Yeah, so... Um, dealing with that and just hearing hearing those words like missy was like this was so good it was you know it, it really brought me some freedom in this and i was just like no <laughs> no i don't that's not that's not the lord like there's no way that can be the lord and i mean little did i know it absolutely was him the entire time yeah and it's so easy to get lost in our emotions and our desires and and what we want in this world that you know, it, you can't even see what the Lord is actually working in the background. And when all of that played out, I, I think me and her started going to get counseling. Like, I, I went to some sessions with her. And instead of, like, I, I come from a very, like, you, you are what you make yourself. And, like, you know, you, you st- I started from nothing. And, and, you know, my parents taught me to work hard and, and you know, earn a living and, and take care of a family and so I, I, I that's all I knew growing up and Missy grew up in a, a family that very much relied on the Lord for everything and, and not that my family didn't at all but you know my family was very blue collar and, and very like go earn it and so it was hard for me to hear like it's okay to be in the waiting and like don't push Missy into moving forward. Like, come back to her and walk with her as she works through her grief and her yeah. pain. And that was, like, a completely foreign concept for yeah. me. Yeah, that's such a very vivid picture, too, of just the two of you being on a walk together, and you are so much further ahead of her, just ready to accept this this newborn little baby into your home and adopt it, and whereas she's further back she's not there yet and so I I really like that imagery of the counselor telling you hey come back to Missy Mm -hmm. don't walk ahead of her walk with her Mm -hmm. that's very very good yeah it was powerful and it 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 took me a little while to even grasp that concept you know I I think I tend I have the tendency to be alone in my pain I don't really want to share in that and so (laughs) When Missy was hurting, it was pretty evident. When I was hurting, I, I kind of like locked down and kind of keep to myself in that. And the counselor was able to unpack like where some of that came from, but also helped me to realize that like just being in the moment with Missy and, and looking at her and telling her, hey, I love you and I'm here. Like I don't even have to fix it. And that's the mentality I grew up with was, a fix-it mentality, but the counselor just saying, look at your wife in the midst of her hurting and just say, hey, I'm here with you. That's all you have to say. Which is the one thing I needed to not feel left behind, but to feel like we were in this together, which was, I think, life-transforming for not just our marriage, but for moving forward in the journey for what for what God had. So as the journey continued on, after that point, We were still open for adoption opportunities. We were chosen to meet with a birth mom in December, and I felt really good. I didn't have anxiety. This is still the original adoption agency. Mm -hmm. Felt hopeful, and we got a call the morning we were about to meet her that she had chosen a parent, which was always wonderful, like good. But I think there was a little bit of me that was actually, like, disappointed, which was crazy for me. But I had had such peace I thought maybe this is it like since I'm not like I had the last one was like the opposite of that and this time I'm actually like at peace and can move forward was kind of just a little probably thrown off at that one that it didn't and then as 
COVID continued and some things happened. We ended up hearing the news that our agency that I think had just, COVID had, had made the year pretty rough and on a lot of levels was going to shut down, which just felt like another kind of blow <laughs> to another unexpected thing that we didn't see coming. And so then we felt like, well, now we're gonna have to start all over. <laughs> now we're, we're, you know, three years into this and we're gonna have to start over again. And gotten news um, from somebody about a potential agency that said that they're in need of families, they're in need of especially good Christian homes without kids, and had us very hopeful that that might be a good match that would lead us to a you know, to a potential child in a a quick manner. And I, for some reason, had some hesitation about moving forward with that agency, but Mason really felt like we need to do this. And so we (laughs) tried moving forward with that and weren't aware of the full process. And as we got in a little bit to it, and we're just honest about some different parts of our our journey, they informed us that they were going to take a vote to see if we would be like, accepted into their agency to work with them and to our shock came back and said we weren't a fit for them and I think for both of us there was some disappointment for some different reasons but also I think for me some of the things that I had fear and hesitation about I I was like this wasn't the Lord and I think for Mason he was he was pretty hurt and disappointed because he had felt like that was at that time, I think it felt like his one hope for not making this journey be super long, but that that was the one window that would make the the window short to mm-hmm. adopt a child. So we just trusted the Lord and started looking again at what I agency and um, landed on one that was a great Christian agency that we believed very much in the philosophy of, but they weren't set up here in Arkansas yet. So we were fearful it might again be a long time. But in the God story that he writes, as we started and were pretty much had gone through all the paperwork and got accepted and were moving forward with them, they had told us that with our old agency, they were going to still be partnering with them. So if any opportunities came, they would let us know. And we just kind of like smiled and were like, oh, okay. Because <laughs> there just hadn't been that many placements over the past year. So we really... Sure did not expect anything to come from that. And in a crazy turn of events on a Thursday night, <laughs> May 13th, we got a call that there was a, a baby girl who was born and she was in the hospital and she was there uh, alone and in need of a family and they needed an immediate answer. And we just said, okay, it was like 1030 at night and they needed to know immediately so that by the next morning they wanted us to like move forward to bring this child home. And so we just said, let's pray. And so we stopped and prayed and we, Mason and I had been reading a book by Francis Chan called Sacred Marriage. And one of the things that he had actually written in that book was about adoption. It was just one line in probably the whole book, but he said, why don't we say yes to to things that are on God's heart and not start with no. And he said, for example, we know adoption is on the heart of God. Why don't you go forward saying, yes, you'll adopt until God says no. So in that moment, that was my prayer when we heard that news is, I will say yes, Lord, unless you say, unless you say no. But he just made it so, I had asked that the Lord make it so clear. And I just felt like he made it so clear. He was so gracious to make it so clear that I wanted, like, I wanted to say yes. Like, I I felt like there's no way I could say no to the need and to the moment of a child that, like, needed a home and needed to be loved and not alone. And and so we said yes. (laughs) What? It turned out. A journey. Oh, man. Just to, I mean, and for the listeners, as they listen to this and they hear where you started with anxiety and lack of surrender to now what you literally just said three seconds ago of just like you had so much peace you knew that it this was it like this was the lord what a journey (laughs) well i woke up the next day with a ton of anxiety (laughs) 
<laughs> to be honest, I was good that moment. The next day, Which is that's like mom anxiety. Yeah, like well, it, it was it it like real. our whole world is about to shift, and yeah. all the unknowns and all the things that you worry, you know, kind of worry about. And it was, I like kind of routine and familiarity, and my whole world is about to change very, very quickly. So we had about a day or two to prepare. Yeah, and um, in that, um, man, God had just already written parts of the story to prepare us even for that moment i had been so struggling a couple weeks prior the adoption agency tells you not to like order furniture or make a nursery before because it's emotionally hard and i just learned about myself that isn't emotionally hard but being unprepared and not having anything and i don't feel like a mom if i don't start moving as if by faith the Lord is going to fulfill this and make me a mother, then I just feel like I can't move forward. So randomly one night I said, let's order the crib. And I literally got on Amazon and I ordered baby furniture. And it had come in the week that we received news about her. It had come in on Monday. Tuesday I come down from work and Mason is putting it together. And I'm like, why are you putting it together? Like, there's no rush. (laughs) Like, There's no need to put this together right now. And so he puts the dresser together on Tuesday. Wednesday, he still decides he's in a hurry to go ahead and get it put together. So he puts the crib together next. And I'm still thinking this whole time, like, why in the world is he putting all of this? We don't even have a place to stick it yet. So Wednesday, he's putting it together. And Thursday is when we got we got word that there was a child in need of a home. And so yeah. the so Lord you... had gone before even with that in yeah. a way that we had no idea. So fill us um, in. How'd that work? So, Tell us our name. Yes. All of that stuff. So, um, we got the news Thursday. Said yes at 1130 that night. Ran into some complications on the next day on Friday that they um, weren't releasing her from the hospital into the custody of the adoption agency. And so where we wanted to go and get her and not have her be in the hospital by herself, we were unable to, and nobody was able to get her, which was super hard because it was that fear of what's this going to do? And, you know, she's all by herself and that heartbreak of if she's going to be our child, we need to go get her. And now we can't. And you're having to trust God to take care of her Mm -hmm. when you can't again. Yep, again. (laughs) (laughs) And so they were having to get judge court orders and a judge to like sign off to declare that the adoption plan was, you know, healthy and good and the mother had made it to release the baby and that was the step one step two of why we didn't get to get her the next day either was our adoption agency had shut down and so we were no longer active with them and so in the middle of all this to get active with them even though we had done all this new paperwork for the new agency we had to go back and do all the paperwork again for the old agency to be in their system to be able to have her released to our care. And so she was in interim care with a loving family, I think for two days, took wonderful care of her and protected her and loved on her and did all the things that she needed until we were active in the system so that we could be given guardianship of her. So it, we got the news on Thursday, it was Sunday afternoon that we actually got to go get her. So Mason, tell me kind of your thoughts just through this whole process of, of waiting for the paperwork and the judge and all of that stuff, knowing that, hey, this is it. Man, I I was a basket case. Once, once we said yes, like the moment that we finally got Faith and got to go. Uh, faith is her name. Yes. Just to be clear, you yes. weren't saying the moment that y'all had Faith to yeah. go pick her up. Yeah, no, <laughs> faith, faith is her name. So She's our special guest today. I'm sure you've heard her already. Yeah, she's, she's getting pretty talkative at this point. But, man, you talk about just awesome. Just the, the events that led up to that day, and, and like Missy explained, like me going ahead and building the furniture actually – couple weeks prior we're hanging out watching the airplane show over Conway and my cousin Evan was sitting here on our front porch and that night I I took him down to South Arkansas and on the way back he was like hey man I didn't know whether to say anything or not but I just wanted you to know like I heard a baby cry come from inside your nursery and this was April 30th and we thought okay there's no way like that's that's kind of that's crazy you're a little spooky, man. Yeah. So when he told me that, 
we didn't really know what to do with that. And then when the when we went ahead and decided to move forward with the furniture, it came in. I was excited, so I started putting it together. And Wednesday, as I was building the crib, I heard the words, if you build it, they will come. And I thought, okay, Lord, are you messing with me? Because that's a field of dreams Are you quote. sure that wasn't Kevin Costner? Yeah, I'm not, so I'm not positive, no. But no, like I just, I thought the Lord was messing with me. I mean, it's funny because we're such a baseball family. I'm a Red Sox fan. Missy's a Cardinal fan. And I mean, we've, we've. We've had a lot of fun over the years just with rooting for our teams. And, and somehow you live together. Yeah. And, I mean, the year we got married, the Red Sox won the World Series just right before, you know, all, all of the, the wedding happened and everything. But it was, it was just such a cool moment. And then to get the call. So another crazy thing that happened, my cousin, uh, my, Evan's little sister, actually had her son that morning, May 13th at 2.47 a.m. And Faith was born May 13th at 2.47 p.m. And so literally 12 hours apart. And if you think about the number 12 in scripture, it's the number of completion. And so for us, like, I just felt like there's so many different things here that in the moment that we got that call, we couldn't even piece any of that together. We were just like, uh, they just said a baby was born. (laughs) And they're asking us in the next few minutes to call them back and say, yes, we want to adopt them. And so we did. We called them back and said yes. And our adoption specialist was like, well, good, because I've been holding her all day telling her who her parents were going to be and about their little dog, Sonny, uh, and how much she's going to protect her and and just be an awesome dog. And so uh, we were just... We were just thrilled, but, I mean, the scramble was on. Like, I had guys at work asking me questions the next day, and I was like, y'all are going to have to hold on. i got to get my life figured out. We may be about to bring a baby girl (laughs) home this weekend. So, just ecstatic. Missy was anxious that first day, but then once we got some stuff to do, like getting the nursery completely put together, I think it kind of helped take her mind off of everything in our world is changing. Well, and I had had anxiety the entire entire journey but in god fashion he's just so good uh, the moment i saw her the moment i saw her all of that literally i have not had an anxious moment since <laughs> i mean which for a person who's carried anxiety about adoption for three years that's a big deal like that's a god thing that only god could do i just i knew as soon as i saw it the anxiety didn't go away when we said yes the anxiety did go away when I saw her and I knew God had written this story and God had led her and us together and I knew she was our daughter that God had God had provided and so he's given you a new picture of motherhood mm-hmm. yeah and I was so scared that when I saw her I wouldn't I wouldn't feel like her mom or I wouldn't like and I I just knew that that she was our family and we were her family I knew so clearly in that moment so my anxiety stopped, but Mason's anxiety started from that yeah, point on. And, and the last thing we want to like kind of hit on in like just some of the things that made it evident that the Lord was at work was just the fact that we were prepared to adopt a boy. And the reason I say that is throughout our entire adoption journey, every opportunity we got as far as adoption goes were boys. So there were at least 10 that were boys. And this was literally the first girl that came along for us mm. to have a chance to adopt. And Faith doesn't make a good boy name. <laughs> yeah, doesn't. Faith really doesn't. But like, like I mean, I felt like the Lord brought to completion that word that he spoke that we would have a daughter named Faith. And so as we were talking through the names, Missy didn't really have much of a chance on uh, any different name because I, it was pretty clear that the Lord was at work with this one and so we decided to name her Faith Mackenzie Lewis, uh, and we kept the middle name Mackenzie that the birth mother gave her because we wanted to honor that connection with yeah. her. Well, that is such a beautiful story, and I just want to say thank you guys for sharing it with us today. I know that it has been such a long road for you guys. All the way back in, in 2015, it started, and, and then I, it's not over, obviously, and now you've got, you're on the hook for at least 18 more years. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I know how difficult it was for you guys. I can I can remember and, and, and relate to a certain degree. Obviously, nothing even close to, to what you guys 
went through with that stuff but i just want to say thank you like like i said just want to say thank you again for sharing that and just being willing to to bear your hearts and just allowing the lord to speak through you to maybe uh, another family out there that's experiencing the same thing yeah and i think i'll just close by saying man the lord has been so good and i all of my prayers I can look now. I love Faith so much, and I see the hand of God who's answered so many prayers through her. And so if I can leave with a final word, it's that everything I feared has the Lord, like, did the opposite. And instead, I feel like he answered both big and small prayers to bring us the most perfect child that I already, in a month and a half, we love her so so much because she is god's gift to us and her rep- her name fits her she is a representation in every way of the faithfulness of god to hear us in our heart and our pain and listen to our prayers and fulfill his plan for us in the most beautiful unexpected incredible way so we're excited to see the rest of her story that he has to unfold Thanks again to Mason and Missy for joining me today. I love their story because it's truly a story of faith, trust, and hope. And I hope you were as blessed as I was to hear what they had to say. Thanks again for listening, and please join us again next week. Just in case you weren't aware, It Doesn't Look Good is sponsored entirely by Hope Against Hope. If you haven't taken the time to check out our website yet, You can do that at hopeagainsthope.com. And please consider making a tax-deductible donation while you're there. Every dollar donated goes directly to people that have life-threatening illnesses and to make sure we can continue to provide that much-needed financial relief. Thanks.